Hey, Trev, thanks for calling in, man. I appreciate some time with you today. Of course, man. I appreciate you having me, bro. <laughs> Wanted to talk about the tour and the tune and get your opinion on a couple things. But uh, let, let's go and start off with, uh, I guess, telling everyone kind of how this band came together. Brilliant band name. I wish I could say it on the radio, but glad you guys have uh, <laughs> taken the time to abbreviate it to ZFG. But this kind of was just born out of jamming one day, really, right? Yeah, man. We all had separate projects going on and we were all friends and respected each other. And just decided to, for the hell of it, get into the studio and, uh, you know, see what would come about it. And, you know, all of us have such separate influences. And, you know, because Jules, our singer, he's very soul R&B pop. And, you know, Sam on bass, he's very groove oriented. And then Josh and I are kind of the rockheads. So we didn't know what was going to happen. And we were pleasantly surprised when we, uh, when we finished our first song, Wholehearted. And, we knew at that moment that this was something that we wanted to continue. And, uh, and so we dropped all of our separate things and, uh, decided to carry on as ZFG. I love it, man. I'd love to hear that, that last part too, that you guys dropped everything and said, no, this is what we all want to do. And I like that what you said too, about kind of bringing some funk and some pop elements back into, to rock music, which I think has been missing for a long time. I agree, man. I agree. And I really love the tune special itself. It, it The whole kind of lyrical flip it towards the end of the song, it really reminded me of, do you know the Vertical Horizon song, Everything You Want? Of course, yeah. Same, I am everything you want, yeah. Yeah, same same kind of idea where it kind of flips at the, at the end. And I love that you guys did that with special. And it immediately made me think of that Vertical Horizon tune, though. Well, uh, I'll take that, man. We, I mean, I love that band. I love that song, so. And uh, let's talk about the the tour we got coming up. What a great spot to land, opening up for the Winery Dogs, coming up here on Thursday, May the 30th, at the Grove of Anaheim. And Richie Kotzen, man, I mean, have you seen them play before? What a beast. I still say top 10 shows I've ever seen was seeing Richie Kotzen's solo band at some rock club in the Valley, man. And uh, I was just completely blown away by him. He's one of the best vocalists and one of the best guitar players. And... You know, I mean, he has that Chris Cornell sound to him, but he has so much soul, man. And when he, you know, and then he starts doing a, you know, guitar solo, it's just face melting. And you know, Billy Sheehan, obviously, and Mike Portnoy, like those guys together, actually saw Winery Dogs play at the Saban Theater, which we're playing as well, and that was just mind blowing, man. So we watched some recent clips on YouTube, and we were just like, or just like some old clips of them when we were in the studio and we we're just like, Oh boy, we have to bring our eight plus 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 game. <laughs> well, you, you Trev, tell me you play at least play with a pick, right? Cause Richie Cotson doesn't yeah. even use a pick. He doesn't use a pick. No, pay attention to the videos. He is not using a pick. The man, oh, that's frightening, man. The man is a lunatic. I'm telling you, no pick. He is a machine with too much soul, man. <laughs> That'll be fun <laughs> fun to see. Speaking of guitar players, I was curious if you could kind of uh, chisel out your own Mount Rushmore of guitar guitarists. Who would it be for you? Oh, man. I mean, obviously my pop, um, but uh, I'd have to say Trevor Rabin, Neil Sean. Oh. Um, David Gilmore is one of my all-time yeah. favorites. Uh, Jimi Hendrix. Brian May, I love guitar players that sing with their guitar, man. You know, when you can when you can really uh, sing along to a solo. Someone told me, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to 
you know, drop a name here, but Steve Perry, man, I used to come into the recording studios when I was uh, doing my solo record back many years back, actually probably like eight, nine years back. Uh-huh. He'd come in and hang out. And uh, whenever you'd hear me play like a, uh, you know, me trying to do a little shred lick or something, he says, let me ask you a question, man. He's like, do you want girls in the front row or do you want guys in the front row? <laughs> and then, you know, being like a 22 year old, I was like, of course I want girls in the front row, Steve. And he's like, well, then play front row licks. So that kind of stuck with me. Wow. That's some great advice from Steve Perry. I mean, that, certainly that guy knows how to write a hit. And, you know, and, and the solos that Neil brought to those journey records and just seeing how, you know, Steve saying that to me kind of just made me vibe out what it was like, how it was when they were making the journey record. And those Neil Sean solos are so legendary. And, and, and you know, I definitely base a lot of my solos on some of that as well. So, yeah, man, hearing it from Perry, I had to listen, man, you know, and uh, it's it's definitely stuck with me ever since. You mentioned my one of my all-time favorites, I mean, David Gilmore. I mean, that guy puts more feeling in one note than anybody else on the planet. I, I've had an out-of-body experience watching him play, man. I went and saw the, I actually got to meet him wow. and, and saw the form show. My dad surprised me by bringing me backstage, and he was the coolest, chillest guy. But I remember dad and I were standing behind the sound booth, man. And I think David just held out one note for 12 bars, and, and definitely my soul left my body. That's for sure. Uh, I just, just, yeah, it just hits you in your gut when he does that. It's incredible. I was curious to learn, too, kind of, you had mentioned your dad and stuff. Was it him putting a guitar around you, or did you kind of gravitate it to yourself, you know, on your own? Or, and how old were you when you first picked up a guitar? When Toto reunited in like 99, I was playing drums from four to 12. And so when I turned 12 and I saw a dad play with Toto and I just saw like everyone's arms reaching out for him when he was he shredded. A, <laughs> that, that was it for me, man. I was like, I want to be up front, you know? And I was like, I was always hearing melodies and, and, and like song, like chord changes in my head when I played drums, but I, I was never able to, to obviously bring them to life. And, and so seeing dad play, I, I came up to him after, uh, yeah, I think it was the next day after the show, because it was an LA show. And I said, dad, man, I really want to play guitar. I want to be just like you. He's like, oh man, that's really cute. And I was like, no, no, dude, I want to be just like it and uh, teach me how to play. And my dad just doesn't have the patience to teach. <laughs> so what he did was he uh, he tuned my low E to a D, and then you could just put one index finger and bar it, and it sounds like a power chord. And, and he, he heard me do it. He said, all right, have fun. He left the room. And <laughs> I caught on to that. So that's why I still play to this day drop D tuning because I taught myself how to play. So I just kind of ran with that. And then he kind of saw that I was kind of developing my own sound and the chords I was kind of finding. And, and he's like, man, I don't want anyone to touch that. You got your own vibe. So it was the best thing he did was actually not teach me so I can have my own uh, my own sound, my own voice, you know? Yeah, and, and, and then I'm sure at the same token, go to him if you do need, you know, hey, what's this one thing or I'm having trouble with this or that? You can always hit him up if you need to, kind of like a uh, lifeline if, if you need it. Oh, 100%. 100%. And, and I'll ask to, uh, you know, show me, you know, show me a fun lick or something like, you know, or a trick, you know, like something that sounds hard, but it isn't, you know, it's <laughs> like the stuff that everyone's like, yeah, that's really cool, but it's really easy. Like, teach me some of that stuff, man, because I've just never been that much of a bedroom guy. I, I, I've old songs. I've never really been the guy that, that practices a lot of scales or anything like that. So the fun tricks are my favorite. I was going to ask, I always like to ask guitar players too, because they always say with singers, you know, like that person was, was touched, but guitar playing, do you, do you have to be touched or is it just really, you got to put in the work and practice? If you could put that on like a scale of justice, like how do you think it would tip versus God-given and, and ability yeah, I mean, and, and practice? Per- yeah, I'm a very spiritual person, man, so I do believe that we're all here for a reason and everyone's given a gift and you know, we're all here to bring whatever that gift may be to the world and, and you know, when I was able to pick up a guitar and just play it and, and catch on so naturally and 
to realize that I've never had a lesson, and but I'm able to play really well and connect with people with my playing. And, and you know, I feel that I, I just say that I'm a vessel, man. That like I'm kind of just you know channeling something else, and I'm just the passenger. And uh, <laughs> I'm kind of in awe most of the time is when you let your ego go and you just kind of let something bigger than you kind of do its thing. You tend to play the best you play and, and write the best that you can write. You know. That's awesome, man. I, I, I've never picked up a guitar in my life. Played drums a little bit, but figured I was better off playing other people's music for a living than than my own. <laughs> well, man, you got that radio voice, man. I'm not going to lie. Oh, thank you. you I appreciate that. You have that voice that would soothe my stress <laughs> driving to work. Man. I wanted to ask you, uh, get your opinion on a, on a couple of things. A little game I, I like to play with everybody. And, you know, a couple of years ago, there was the uh, big four of, of heavy metal that kind of encapsulated, you know, like the 80s thrash movement was Metallica, Slayer, and Anthrax, and Megadeth, and that kind of made up the the big four of 80s thrash, and and I kind of want to evolve that into the 90s and encapsulate the rock of the 90s for what I like to call the Flannel Five. The Flannel Five, I love it, okay? So I want to know your favorite out of the Flannel Five, which consists of Nirvana, Pearl Jam, Stone Temple Pilots, Soundgarden, Alice in Chains. Who's your number one off of that list, Trev? Stone Temple Pilots, man. Really? Hands down. The DeLeo brothers, man, and Dean DeLeo's guitar riffs are just so original, man. And I feel that I know that's probably not the obvious choice out of what you just what you just said that asked me. But man, I, I also have a luckily have a relationship with Dean as a friend and, and his his riffs really inspired me personally more of the nineties era than any other uh, other of those bands. No, it's great. I mean, and the conceit is that all those bands are great, and that's what kind of makes it tough, but it's great to hear STP getting some love. I, I figured being a guitar player, you're going to lean a little bit more uh, Jerry Cantrell, Alice in Chains. Which I do love Jerry, man, but I mean, I just will, li- I listen to Stone Temple Pilots pretty religiously, so I got to be real, man. Yeah. I, just, I can't I can't go with probably the obvious answer, which a lot of people are probably like, what, not Nirvana, you know, whatever. It's, it's not, nah, man, like Stone Temple Pilots 100%, man. Pick a uh, STP tune to play on the radio. Vaseline, dude. All right. And let me get you on one one more, Trev. We'll, we'll kind of evolve this one more and go more late 90s, uh, early 2000s and add one to it for, for what I like to call the new metal six pack. Ooh, okay. So for this one, we're going to go Rage Against the Machine, Corn, Linkin Park, Slipknot, Disturbed, System of a Down. Got us go with Rage Against the Machine, bro. Tell me why. Tell me why. Well, Morello's just a huge influence of mine as a riff writer, too. I mean, the more you get into ZFG, you're going to hear a lot of those blues, funk, guitar riffs that, you know, Morello really, you know, owns. And he's just one of those guitar players that every riff of his just kind of, you know, leaves my jaw on the floor, man. So those (laughs) rage tunes, man, I mean, they were just... Ugh. I mean, I was actually, no joke, you know, we're on tour right now, we just wrapped it up, but I would watch Rage Against the Machine live to kind of get me going before a show. I just watched some YouTubes of them playing live because they just brought so much energy, man, and the fans and, and those riffs, man, they, they, they're inspiring and they get me, they get the juices boiling, bro. <laughs> Are we going to have some uh, some uh, turntable scratching guitar solos on the on the ZFG debut album then, maybe? You know, man, <laughs> probably not. I'm going to leave that to him, but definitely uh, you'll hear definitely some, some funk, some fun funk riffs that are very Morello-esque, for sure. Do we have any sort of time frame regarding the, the debut album? Well, man, we actually had to pull out of our tour early to get back in the studio because our, our touring schedule is kind of adding up. So we had to find a window for us to be able to get in the studio 
and uh, and finish an EP uh, before we hit the road. So we might we're kind of up in the air of how we want to do it. You know, I know in this kind of time of music, you can kind of release a song every few months and 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 not oversaturate. But I mean, we're kind of a band that gets together and will write five, six songs in a day. So you know, I don't think there's going to be any lack of of material and material that we're proud of. So. Who knows, man? It could be fall and the summer, but we're definitely, you know, we're going to be doing a ton of touring this summer. We're actually going out to open for Toto in Europe. Oh, killer. Yeah, I saw those those tour dates. That's yeah. great. So we're, we're, we're super excited to go to Europe. And, 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 you know, those guys are so huge out there, and their fans are so loyal, and for and the whole kind of cool Picaro Lukather second yeah. generation opening for Toto and the kind of family affair that it is. The fans are going to love it. We're going to love it. It's going to be a, a you know a family hang, and and the, just can't wait to to debut some new stuff for for the European fans, man. Going to be fun. I was going to ask you too. Uh, one other thing on the the Toto tip, so to speak. Did you have to kind of explain to your dad who Weezer was? You know what, man? I'm not going to lie. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean. He he knew of them, of course, but I played him like the really big tunes, and he's like, "Oh yeah, yeah, I know that," but he just wasn't super. He knew that they were very popular, but he he didn't know just you know. But when he kind of came up with the idea of wanting to do a, a Weezer cover themselves, uh-huh. you know, I played him Hashpipe and and you know Beverly Hills, and I thought Beverly Hills could be a cool idea because they're all L.A. Like Toto's you know, from L.A. Right. So um, that would be kind of a tongue-in-cheek thing, but. Yeah, I mean, I definitely had to hip him a little more to Weezer. But, you know, I mean, Weezer has their own thing. He respected that and, and respects the band. And, you know, I mean, hey, I'm glad it worked out for Weezer. It worked out for both of them. You know, it's keeping the brand alive for, for pop. And then, you know, Weezer continue, continuing the Africa craze that, that seemed to take over the world. Yeah, it was great. They, I mean, they both nailed the covers, but I, you know, Africa, I thought was a little bit easy to see, but Hashpipe, I thought was kind of like, oh, that's, you know, it wasn't Sweater Song or Hollywood or, you know, or Beverly Hills. I mean, it, it was a little bit of a, a secondary song versus the the obvious one, which I thought was really cool. Yeah, yeah. They, they, they went a little out of the box. I mean, they could have done like, you know, Buddy Holly or, right. or yeah, Beverly Hills probably could have, would have been like the, the, the go-to, you would think. But they wanted to rock out a little more, I feel. So I feel that, you know, I mean, I love Hashfire. I love that song. And actually, Sam, our bass player, played the bass on that song. Oh, awesome. That's really cool. The bass on the cover, yeah. Wow, and rather than his dad playing it. <laughs> no, yeah, no, man. He, they kept, it was like, might as well bring, you know, Mike's son in to, to represent. And uh, Sam killed it, you know. Brought that, brought, brought that youthful energy to the tune. I love it, man. Well, Trev, I appreciate all the time, man. It's been a blast talking to you. Can't wait for the... Uh, the Winery Dog Show at the Grove of Anaheim on May 30th. Yeah, I'm going to be out there, be hanging out with Shauna, and so I'm going to come by and say hi, hopefully, at some point. Oh man, I'm looking forward to hanging, bro. Thanks for having me, man. Dude, you rock. Thanks for checking out the entire podcast. Now just hit the subscribe button. That way you get it sent to you directly. And follow me on social media at MikeZ967. Don't miss the radio show, bro. Wired in the Empire happens every Saturday night at midnight on 96.7 KCAL Rocks, online at kcalfm.com. Adios, 